0: You guys ready to worship the Lord this morning?
1: Oh On the Rock, we are delighted to have you here with us this morning. This beautiful, crisp, cold Sunday morning. I have a scripture I'd like to share with you, it is from Psalm 104. It says, Enter with the password, thank you. Make yourselves at home, talking praise, thank him, worship him. How delightful is that? The password is thank you. So many times we get caught up in the cycle of, Lord, I need, God, please grant. But we need to stop and remember to say, thank you. Let's praise him this morning. Amen. Amen. is my i e Dead, he is surely alive.
0: Good God, Amen. Come on, somebody, let's give Him some praise in this place. Bless Your name, Lord.
1: And I've heard a thousand stories of what they think You're The tender whispers of love yeah. in the dead of night. I you tell you me, me. that your priest pleasing, that I am never alone. You're a good, good father. father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you It's who I am And peace so unexplainable I, I can hardly think As you call me deeper still Oh, you call me deeper still Oh, you call me deeper still Into It's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. am. We worship you, Jesus. You're a good, good Father. We love you so much. We bless your name. He's worthy, man. She
0: Lord, we bless your name.
1: is impossible without God. Amen. Oh, Lord, we worship you. Mr. declare this, this morning, nothing is impossible. We say nothing shall be impossible. Your kingdom reigns unstoppable. We'll shout your praise forevermore. Jesus, our God, unstoppable can stop you, Lord. Unstoppable, God, let your glory go on and on. Impossible things in your name they shall be heard. Unstoppable, God, let your glory go on. things in Your name, they shall be known. Oh oh, oh. Oh, 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 unstoppable God, let Your glory go on and on. Impossible things. In your name they shall be done. Come on, last time we say it, Lord. Unstoppable God. Let your glory go on and on. Impossible things. In your name, they shall be done.
0: Amen. Nothing is impossible without God. Come on, somebody, let's give him a hand, clap a break. We bless you, Jesus. Well, why don't you turn around to two or three people this morning? Tell them how happy you are to see them in the house of the Lord.
1: Unstoppable God, love Your lord Welcome to Church on the Rock. And Merry Christmas. We are so glad you're here worshiping with us today.
0: In the
2: chair back in front of you, we have a lot of information about our church.
1: Our inside look lets you know everything about who we are and what we believe in. Our ministry guide gives you plenty of opportunities to get connected through classes, small groups, and outreach opportunities.
2: If you're a first-time guest, fill out the white card in the seat back in front of you, drop it in the offering, or you can bring it across the hall to the Connect room where you'll receive a free gift bag. Don't forget about our coffee bar and snacks between Sunday services in the Connect Cafe.
1: We are so glad you're here, and we hope you know there is always a place for you at Church on the Rock.
2: There's nothing more exciting than seeing a child on Christmas morning. Their excitement is contagious. You can see that spark of Christmas in their eyes. People in our community won't have or get to see that spark. Here at Church on the Rock, we are doing everything we can to spread the joy and true message of Christmas, and you can be a part of it. We have seven different ministries you can get involved with to spread the love of Christ this Christmas Angel Tree, providing Christmas presents for children in our church, Sidewalk Sunday School, bringing Christmas to over a hundred children at Sunset and Smithkey Apartments, Coat Drive, Providing coats for the homeless Gifts for missionaries Sending gifts to missionaries in the mission field Project Hope Providing Christmas for 15 families in need Nursing Home Bringing Christmas presents to the elderly at Heritage Plaza Prison Ministry Providing inmates with Bibles And you can help people get the ultimate Christmas gift by picking up a Church on the Rock Christmas invite and inviting your friends and family to our Christmas services (laughs) Let's do everything we can to bring the joy of Christ this Christmas to our Texarkana community.
1: I'm Sheila Lockett, and I teach the leadership class here at Church on the Rock. I'm committed to imagine more because we have a desperate need for classrooms. I teach in Pastor John's office right now, but it's his office. He needs his own space. We need more classrooms. Hi, I'm Jody Vanderhoof, and I coach Junior Bible Quiz, or JBQ, here at Church on the Rock. I am committed to imagine more, because when I see 27 kids in one room trying to buzz in and quiz, I realize we need more space in a desperate way. We are out of room, and we need more.
0: Everybody doing good? Uh, The ushers are coming forward. They're going to hand out these little invites. They're special Christmas ones. It says there's a place for you this Christmas. And so take a bunch of these, pass them out. Pastor John will be starting a new uh, sermon series here next week, and it'll be geared toward Christmas and and reaching a lost. Remember, people are real sensitive about the things of God, especially when you get around Christmas time. So these little invites can be powerful tools to uh, get somebody to church and hopefully commit their life to Christ. Amen. So grab a lot of those. Be praying these next couple weeks. You know, last Christmas Eve, we had 20 people come to an altar on Christmas Eve. So it's just that kind of people are kind of hungry and ripe to uh, hear the things of God. You know, you also saw that video about Imagine More. You know, if you hadn't had a chance to make a commitment, to pray about it, that little card in the chair ahead of you, grab that and make some sort of commitment uh, so you can help in this expansion project because the time is short, the harvest is great. And we got to make room to really, especially classrooms. And something else you can do as part of that commitment, continue. Those that are coming to Saturday night, come Saturday night to this first service. I just appreciate coming to this first service. You get the rest of your day off. But also it frees up uh, seats in that second service. That's kind of the real packed one today. So continue to pray. And it was exciting this week just being in the Connect Cafe and seeing... Twenty different people in there with plans all over the tables we got contractors coming in, you know finalizing the bids so we 're getting real close and moving toward that goal a goal of breaking ground in the spring. so uh, how many of you be committed just to pray? Nothing else that really uh, we can get that going. amen we continue to worship the Lord with our tithes and offerings you know in hebrews six twelve it says that you do not become sluggish but imitate those who, through faith and patience inherit the promises. You know, there's over 7,000 promises in this Word. And there's several of them about finances, how God will meet your needs. But a couple points there. First of all, give in faith. That means give expecting God to bless you. And why would He want to bless you? So you could be more of a blessing. It's not just give to get, but just to be be blessed so you can be a blessing to the others, to the kingdom of God. And so you've got to give in faith. And there's not one farmer or gardener that doesn't plant seed in the ground and it disappears and then they're believing and they're praying and they're watering and they're doing those things to pray that a harvest comes for us. So give in faith. And the other thing is be patient. That means maintain a good and grateful attitude. You know, that's kind of the water and the fertilizer on your seeds year. Your so You're just thanking God that He'll meet your needs. You're just thanking Him for what He's done in your life. Amen. Well, we can t- let's just pray over our offering. Father, we want to thank you for this opportunity to give. And we ask you to bless this seed in a sense we're putting in the ground. Lord, this tithe we're returning back to you, that it'll come back and meet all of our need according to riches and glory. And Lord, we continue to lift up the electronic sign that I'll continue to, to go through the city council this month. Lord, we thank you that the plans will come together for Imagine More. And Lord, we'll see that ground being broke. And Lord, this thing will come up quickly. And we just thank you every need will be met. There'll be no pressure on Pastor John or the elders or anybody. But Lord, you just see the finances come in in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you as you give today. with me. out in a hand clap this morning. And turn to your neighbor and tell them they look marvelous. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If you didn't notice, I have a little less hair than the guy that's usually up here. Not much, but anyhow. Pastor John is at a conference this weekend, the Network of Ministers Conference, Church on the Rock. Uh, the leaders are getting together and just pray for uh, the Church on the Rock Ministers uh, Network because they're knitting together just to see how to reach more people for the kingdom. And there's a lot of organizations we're connected with overseas, too. So the gospel continue to go through Canada, the southeast, you know, Texas and all over the world. Amen. we got a word today entitled stay the course. Let's say that together. Stay the course. The origin of that phrase appears uh, it kind of comes through a nautical metaphor. In this context, stay refers to the ropes, guys, and sheets that hold the course or the mainsail in a fixed position to uh, keep on the heading. And in the 19th century, however, it was used describing horses having the stamina to remain on course at a racetrack. And lately it's been used in war and politics. As a matter of fact, Winston Churchill was heard saying in, uh, world, during World War II, America is a great and strong country. Like a workhorse pulling the rest of the world out of despond and despair, but will it stay the course? And when the Trade Center was bombed in 2001, President Bush made that statement when he said, stay the course in our fight against terror. But the definition is, to stand firm in pursuing a goal of course of, or course of action, to persevere in the face of whatever challenges or obstacles one may encounter. So no matter what you're going through in your life today, I'm praying you'll be able to be encouraged to stay the course. Now, do you need to stay the course maybe in serving the Lord? Do you need to stay the course maybe in some struggles in your family or struggles in your marriage? Do you need to stay the course in some struggles with some uh, other relationships or maybe in a job situation? You know, all of us need to stay on course from time to time. You know, there's a kindergarten teacher that had to help this little boy put on his cowboy boots, and he was struggling to get them on, and she could see why, and they worked at it, worked at it, finally got that last cowboy boot on, and then she almost cried when she heard, teacher, they're on the wrong feet. So they sweated and toiled and struggled to get them back off again, then they got them back on, only to hear him say, these aren't my boots. Well, she was about ready to scream, but she held her tongue, and she kind of went back at it again, and got them off again, and... And uh, tried to get him back on his little feet when he heard him say, they're my brother's boots. My mommy made me wear them today. So she realized and she got him back on. She didn't scream. She kept, she stayed the course. And then she finally gets that place where she's helping him get his coat on. She's putting his mittens on, getting ready to put the mittens on. She said, now, where are your mittens? He said, oh, I stuffed them in the toes of my boots. That teacher had a challenging day. She had to stay the course. What do you say we just get to the Bible instead, okay? Everybody got a word? Electronic device, something there? Anybody? Okay, a few people here. Good deal. We're to shake them, make the bookstores glad and the devil mad. Let's chop off some devil's heads. Nah, 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 nah. Come on, let's try again. Na, na, nah. Are there any warriors out there? Does anybody believe this is the Word of God? Okay. If you believe that, then repeat after me. This Bible has the power to change my life, to change my city. I can do what this Bible says I can do. I'll be a history maker and a world shaker. This Bible's a truth detector, a sin deflector, a faith inflator. I'm going to read it now. I'm going to read it later. If you believe that, give Jesus a shout and a hand clap. Amen. All right. I am in the right place. We're going to read a story in 2 Kings chapter 4. This is a woman that is at the end of her rope. She's basically running on empty. 2 Kings 4, one. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, Your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then he said, Go borrow vessels from everywhere from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few." And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you, you and your sons, then pour into all the vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And she, he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil, pay your debt, and you and your sons live on the rest. First of all, there's a reminder from this story that God wants to fill our emptiness with the oil of his presence. But the widow in this story, she was empty. She was without a husband. She was broke and broken. She had no bread. She had no breadwinner. She had no employment, no chance of employment. There was no government program she could go and apply for any assistance in. a matter of fact, the two sons she had, the creditors were about to come and take them as slaves, which was uh, part of the law. That could be done. And so the creditors had already taken everything, no table, no beds, no cooking utensils, nothing of value, nothing at all, except she had one little thing, a little jar of oil. And when you study commentaries, you begin to find out it was probably not cooking oil, it was a small flask of anointing oil. Remember, her husband was one of the prophets and probably had that anointing oil. So it could have been the fact it didn't have much value or maybe the creditors felt a little bad and let her keep that one little memento from her husband. But that's all she had. And according to Jewish tradition, this widow could have been the wife of Obadiah who hid the prophets by 50 in the caves in times of Ahab, because Ahab and Jezebel had persecuted and were attempting to kill any prophet or any teacher of the law of Moses. And so she said to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord. See, her husband was well known to the prophet, known to be a good man, one of the 7,000 that didn't bow their knee to Baal during that time. But because of the faithfulness of her husband, she went to Elisha. Now, her husband probably wasn't a man that squandered his income, okay? He had done his best to supply the needs of his family and support them and support the work of the ministry. He had taken his own money and spent it in support of those prophets that had been in these caves hiding to keep them away from King Ahab. Now, to most of us, that scenario seems a little unfair. you got God's man doing God's work, taking care of God's people, and now it comes to the place. He doesn't seem like he's getting any help from God, and his family is suffering right now. There could be people in this room that you might feel like you've served the Lord a long time, and you're kind of wondering about your retirement. I could be running about You could be doing something, you're just wondering about the future. But I'm telling you, the story of this widow and her two sons should give everybody in this room the hope we need. It really should. If God can provide for the debt and need of this poor woman who's about to lose everything in her life, can he do the same for you and me? Can he do the same for you and me? Let's hope we got some believers in here. Amen. David said in the book of Psalms, he had never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. God will take care of his children. Now, if you don't trust him with that little 10%, then I would be worried about the future. Amen. The prophet didn't tell her to go and borrow food from her na- neighbors or go borrow some oil. And in that day, oil, was a, it was like money. It was a precious commodity. She didn't say go, he didn't say go get a loan. He said go borrow as many empty vessels as you can find. It was like the prophet Elisha was saying, lady, you've got a lot of emptiness in your life, but you could use some more emptiness. So gather some more emptiness by going back to your empty house with your empty cupboards, take all those empty vessels, and then close the door behind you uh, in the house that your sons are being ready to be emptied out of. And let's see what God can do with emptiness. Amen. And the story continues. She said, "All those empty jars out." She took her little jar of oil, just that little bit, and by faith she just started to pour. And somehow that little jar kept pouring and kept pouring until it filled up one vessel, then a second vessel, a third, a fourth, until all those vessels were filled up. And finally she said, hand me another. And her son said, that's it. There's no more emptiness. First point I want to make is God will meet the needs of his people. He's never once failed. He never will. Otherwise, he'd be a liar, and he's not a liar. God can and will meet your needs. The question is, are you doing things his way? Are you being obedient? You know, the second point, if you're not experiencing God's presence in your life, it may be you're not empty enough. I want you to think about that a minute. See, we serve a Lord that specializes in filling emptiness. You need to be emptied of sin. You need to be emptied of self. You need to be emptied of substitutes. See, we try to substitute service for surrender or work for worship. You may be busy but not blessed. You know, doing work for God is not a substitute for spending time with God. Maybe you're running on empty but not empty enough. Wherever you're at in your life, no matter what you're going through, no matter what's going on in your life, I want to encourage you to stay on course because it's worth serving God. It's worth trusting Him. Is there any satisfied customers out there? I'm telling you, He'll take care of you. So we're going to talk about stay on course. Let's say that again. Stay on course. And the word course is going to be our roadmap. Each letter is going to stand for a little word that will help you get to that uh, goal of staying on course. The letter C in the word course stands for courage. Say courage. courage. Say courage. courage. I mean, what makes the elephant bear his tusk in the misty, misty dusk in a dusky dusk? What makes a muskrat guard his musk? What is it? Courage. What do they got that I ain't got? Have you ever watched that anymore? I was scared of that movie, Wizard of Oz. Ooh. But courage is faith in the midst of fear. It's not absence of fear, it's not that you're not concerned about the future, but it's that faith in who holds the future in your hands. I mean, who does hold? It's God that holds a future in His hands. You know, I dealt with a lot of fears growing up, and some fears go away when you get older. Sometimes you get a little more fearful about things when you get older. You start to kind of realize the consequences. You know, there's a man that took his kids to Disney World quite often, and uh, the one time he got there, his daughter, youngest one, was just old enough to ride on Space Mountain. And, you know, they got that sign you go to, and you got to be as high as that mark on the sign, and then there's that list of, this could make you dizzy, sick, vomit, don't go on if you're pregnant, if you any, you know, this big list of uh, fearful things to worry about. But his daughter wrote on there, just had a great time. Just, she just loved it, just enjoyed it. So they go back several years later, and they get in line, and they get up to that sign, and then he knows his daughter's getting real apprehensive. She's starting to get kind of fearful. She said, well, what's the problem? You know, what's the problem, dear? I mean, you wrote on this before. Why are you scared now? She said, well, now I can read. Like I said, a lot of fears growing up. But the thing is, Other things you become less fearful about when you have a little more confidence in that area, a little more knowledge in that area. Sometimes the fear becomes less when you have a little more confidence. I remember uh, my first trumpet solo. This was probably in the 6th or 7th grade and scared to death. I mean, I'm going to be in front of my students and, and, the, and, my, and all the parents, and I'm just scared to death. And what came out of that trumpet probably sounded like kind of a combination of a sick goose and a dead elephant or a dying elephant. It was not good at all. Uh, and the thing is, if I got my trumpet right now, do we have one here? Uh, luckily not, because it wouldn't sound any better. Why? Because I didn't practice much in the sixth or seventh grade, and I haven't practiced much since then. And so, if you practice something, if you, if you learn about something, you'll have a little more confidence, then you won't be so fearful in that area. You'll have a little more courage, so to speak. You know, I do break that trumpet out a couple times a year just to torment my kids and around Christmas time and try to play some sort of a strange melody on it. But practice and knowledge helps confidence grow. How much time do you spend with the Lord? How much do you know about Him? I mean, because the more you know about Him, the more your confidence is going to grow in Him. Matter of fact, I encourage you to keep a journal. Just some little diary, a little notes. Write down your prayer request. Go back and look all the times He answered your prayer. Because I promise, I've got him back from in the early 90s. And I'll go back, and it's just amazing how it encouraged me. Saying, man, I didn't know how I was going to make that car payment. Or, and then how God came through. I'm telling you, get to know Him. You know, we sing this song, He Makes Us Brave. Well, shouldn't He make you brave? I mean, if God is for you, who can be against you? I mean, do not all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose? Does not He give His angels charge over us to keep us in all our ways? Is not the greater one living inside of us, the greater one that's greater than He that's in the world? I mean, that ought to give us some confidence and make us brave. You know, the widow put her confidence in the Lord by calling on the prophet. The next letter, the letter O. It's obedience. Say obedience. The woman believed God and obeyed the man of God. And I'm sure it didn't make a lot of sense to get a bunch of empty jars. And again, he didn't say go borrow food. Don't go borrow some oil. Don't go get a loan. But go and get empty vessels. But she was obedient. As strange as it sounds, she was obedient. In James one do don't just listen to God's Word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the Word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You walk uh, you see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, and you, don't, and you don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you for doing it. You know, you can have a thousand sermons on your iPod and be a sermon sipper and listen to all kinds of things. But unless you begin to apply those things, you're not going to see the blessings of the Lord in your life. You've got to do what God says to do. Disobedience always leaves you feeling empty. John fifteen ten. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. I want you to remember that the widow woman not only paid off her debts, but she lived on what? The overflow. See, when you're obedient, you'll not be empty, but you'll be full of God's love and joy. You'll be able to splash someone others when you go around them too. It'll just be overflowing. The letter U in the word core stands for use what you have. Let's say that together. Use what you have. When you come to the end of your rope, you're running on empty, you need to take inventory. Sometimes you need to kind of say, how did I get in this spot? And maybe you got off course and you need to repent, back up, and get back on course. And other times it's just you got to just take inventory. The prophet Elijah said, take inventory. What do you have? And she basically responded probably like we do. I got nothing. He said, what do you have? And she had to think a little bit. Well, I got this little bit of oil. And I wonder how much time when God asks us to do something that we say, well, I just don't have the time right now. You know, I just don't have the talent. I'm afraid to get in front of people or do something like that. Or, I, you know, I just don't have the money at this time to help out in any of those situations. Now, you can try to write this off with a simple, well, I've never heard God. Well, except that time I was going to the refrigerator and heard, you don't have to be lonely. And then I heard, farmersonly.com. And then you realize, well, maybe that was God. I don't know. But you know what? If you've ever opened this book called the Bible, that's the first place God speaks speak to you. Maybe, you know, just obey some of those ten suggestions. I mean, ten commandments. Start there. There's some things in there you just start. But most of the times I was challenged to obey God was possibly in a church service during a message. It could have been a man or a woman of God that I knew, you know, served God. And they come and they just said something at the right time. And it was a time where God was kind of challenging me about something in my private time. And so you just got to be obedient to that. You know, when I was first asked to be in the ministry, it was a man that uh, I was playing football at the time. And he said, we have this ministry called Sports World Ministries where athletes go and share their testimonies all over America. They do drug and alcohol prevention. And he looked at me and I thought, you've got to be kidding me. I said, first of all, I don't even have a testimony. I mean, I can't speak in front of people. And then I can't leave my house and my house payment and go and work part-time to do this ministry. But no matter where I turned, I couldn't get away from that feeling. I needed to step out and do that. And you know what? God met all my needs above and beyond. And then he opened the door to even some greater things in my life that he had for me just by obedient in that first step. You know, I believe it's God that has put in the hearts of our elders and pastor to do this expansion in our church, the Imagine More. Matter of fact, that little box up there represents Imagine More. It's called a Joash box. Back in the Old Testament when they were rebuilding the temple and they continued to bring the money and the gold and put it in that box and it got to a place where they had to say, stop, we got enough. Don't bring any more. But I believe it's God that's saying you need to make a commitment. I mean, if you've been here any time at all, you make some sort of a commitment. We're not saying how much, just at least ask the Lord. Have you entertained the thought of saying, God, what kind of commitment can I make? For this building to be here, there were people that gave. I mean, there was times when I first got here when the offering had passed and we were trying to pay off debt. People gave gold rings. People gave cars. They put car keys in the offering. I mean, it's just amazing the people that sacrificed so we could have this building. And then powerhouse, the sacrifices that were made there. And look what we have for our children. Look what we have for our young people. And hard telling how many lives have been changed in that process. Oops, we've got a little something here. We'll get to that later. I believe it's God that's putting on our heart. Just pray about it and try to make that commitment of some sort. So many times we say, I'll do something when I get more. You know, when I get more. Like when I win that publisher's house, you know, that clearinghouse sweepstakes. Man, God, we're going to do a lot. Matter of fact, I'm going to give you 20%, not just 10 And he kind of paused, well, okay, 50-50. We're going to go 50-50 here. Okay, 51-49, you can have control. You know, we do all this reasoning. We're going to do this and do that. But you know what? The lesson from this widow woman, she allowed God to use her little bit. And it's out of the little bits that God can do miracles. It was just a little boy with a sack of lunch, and Jesus fed thousands of people. We're talking about a God that took nothing, made something, and hung it on nothing. We got a God that can do impossible things. So it's not, I can do more when I get more, but I can do something with what I have right now. Apply that to any part of your life, any kind of goal you're trying to reach or something you're trying to accomplish. Sometimes, well, when I get this equipment, I do that. Just start with what you have now and just go for it. Stop making excuses. The letter R stands for readjust your attitude. Let's say that together readjust your attitude. Your attitude always determines your altitude. It can determine how successful you'll be. It can determine how many friends you have. It can determine how high you go up the corporate ladder. Matter of fact, this jar of water right here, if you shake it, you know, stuff comes out. And why does stuff come out? Because I'm shaking it, because the lid's loose, because of gravity. No, water comes out because there's water in it. What's inside of you will come out. Your attitude determines your reactions and your responses. It's because your reactions and responses that you're having trouble in your marriage, possibly. It's your actions and responses maybe causing the problems on the jobs or in other relationships. You know, speaking of attitude adjustment, there was a man that received a parrot for his birthday. The only problem with this parrot, it was very rude. It would say cuss words most of the time. And so he tried everything he could. He tried to talk politely to it. He tried to put Christian music in the background. He tried all this stuff, and it just seemed to get worse. And then he would yell at it, and then it got worse and really more rude and cussed even more. And then he shook it a few times, and that didn't help any. It just got worse. Finally, in his desperation, he takes the parrot, puts it in the freezer. Now, at first, he puts it in there. I mean, you hear a bunch of language, a bunch of kicking and kind of clacking and screaming or whatever. And then it got real quiet. Then he started to kind of feel bad. And he said, oh, man, maybe I've heard it. And he goes and opens the freezer door, and he holds out his hands to get it. And the parrot just calmly steps in the man's outstretched arms and says, I'm sorry I've offended you with my language and my actions. I ask for your forgiveness. I'll try to improve my behavior. And the man was outstanding. And just when he was getting ready to ask what brought the uh, attitude change, the parrot says, "Uh, may I ask what that chicken did? Think about that. Okay, you could be 45 years old right now. It's time to stop blaming your parents or your ex-wife for global warming. You know, it's time maybe for a little emptying yourself out and getting a real attitude adjustment from God. Understand, we don't have an attitude just because we had a bad day. Only thing a bad day will do is shake your jar. It's what's on the inside that's going to come out, just like that jar. See, our attitude determines the success and failure of every relationship we have. And like the jar of water with a loose lid, a bad attitude's eventually going to spill out with some negative actions, some negative and destructive words or deeds. And so your attitude is the real you. So instead of adding a little Jesus to your life this weekend, maybe it's time to come to the altar and really empty yourself out. You know, really get saved. Really, uh, just really repent and ask God to forgive you and, and see. Because you know what? All he needs is an empty vessel. You just pour yourself out. I promise you he'll fill you up and he'll fill you up to the brim. What if the sons would have brought back some jars that still had some oil in them? I believe the widow woman would have started pouring and nothing would have happened because it was specifically have empty jars. Somebody could have felt sorry and maybe given her, a, you know, a half-full jar, but that oil could have been inferior to what God was pouring out of that vessel. Wouldn't have been of the value. And God said empty vessels, not a drop in it. You know, so many times we try to add God to our lives, and there can't be anything we trust in other than God. You know, we wonder why we've never experienced God's love, maybe His presence in His life. It might be we've never stopped trusting in ourselves, totally emptied out ourselves. And again, when you ask God to fill you when you're empty, He'll fill you up to overflowing. He really will. You know, the oil always represents the presence and the power of God, the moving of the Holy Spirit. How many want to continue to see God move in our church (laughs) or even move in a greater way? What's He need? He needs some empty vessels. I mean, tell you, we got to take those little invite cards. We got to go out there and get all. When she brought those vessels in, they were all shapes, all sizes, all colors. I'm telling you, that's what we got to do. We got to go out and get all shapes, sizes, empty vessels. Not from other churches that have oil in them already. Go out and get the empty ones. I'm telling you, we'll do that. We'll never see God stop moving. He'll even move in a greater dimension. We'll have to add on to the add ons we're doing here. Amen. The letter S stands for Spirit of Faith. Let's say that together. Spirit of faith. And I'm not talking just about a positive attitude now. I'm talking about confidence in a God that all things work together for good. You know, the widow acted on what she heard. She did exactly what she was told, even though she probably had some fear. She probably thought it was foolish. She probably had a lot of questions. She could have thought, well, man, surely Elijah will just do this miracle. But you know what? She had a part to play. And she could have said, you know, why go in and close the doors? Well, she, Probably didn't want the creditors coming and, and, you know, and asking all sorts of questions. You know, I don't know what the read. She has like, i got all these things. Or, God, where were you back then? Or why didn't it happen this way? All those questions. But you know what? God sustained her faith. And with whatever faith she had, even if it was just a faith of mustard seed, what did she do? She started to pour. And it kept pouring. And it kept pouring. And filling them up till they all were full. You know, the most important commodity that widow woman had wasn't that little bit of oil. It was her faith. Because that's the most important thing. You know, the devil's not just after you to get you to go bankrupt or to get you to sign divorce papers or to, you know, do whatever. His goal is, is to get your faith. Because if he gets your faith, he wins and you lose it. That's the way it works. That's why the Apostle Paul said to Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. The battle's over our faith. You've got to remember that. In all these things, the battle's for your faith. And in Hebrews 11, 1, it says, Now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I mean, she looked and said, There's no way this little jar is going to fill that thing. But by faith, she started to pour. You know, when you look at Hebrews chapter 11, it's called the hall of faith. Great men and women of God in that chapter. Matter of fact, just some of them, it says, By faith, Abel offered a sacrifice to God. By faith, Noah moved in godly fear and prepared an ark. By faith, Abraham, when he was told to leave, packed up and moved to another place. By faith, Sarah received strength to conceive a child. By faith, Abraham offered up his son Isaac. By faith, Moses passed through the Red Sea. And then you get to uh, chapter 11, verse 6. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God wants to reward you when you seek Him. He really does. And the last letter, the letter E, say, "I" on the prize. What's the goal? What's our destination? What's the prize? It's eternity. It's heaven. But even right now, it's victory over death, hell, sin, and the grave. Even right now, there's victory. Do we really live like heaven's real? I mean, really, do we live like... I mean, these terrorists... I mean, when you strap a suicide bomb to your body, man, they're believing in what they're doing. Do we even have half that kind of belief at times? Do we really live like there's a heaven? We're so caught up in this dimension of time and space, the here and now, I'm telling you, even pause for a moment and look at creation, it'll cry out and say there's a creator. I mean, there's not one blade of grass the same. There's not one ocean wave that's the same. There's not one piece of sand that's the same. There's not one fingerprint in this world that's the same. There's a Creator out there. But it's hard to grasp eternity. I mean, it's hard for me. I mean, in the midst of all this world that we can... Taste, see, and smell, it's hard to kind of go beyond that. So as we finish up this message, let's talk about staying the course, but just kind of back it up and think in, ter- think in terms of goals you're trying to reach, maybe destinations you're trying to make, and just try to apply it there. Maybe in that process, remember, hey, there's a bigger picture, and I can make it all the way to this finish line called heaven. You know, if your goal is to get out of debt, there are certain steps you have to take. And then there are certain things you don't want to do to get sidetracked. Let's say if you're going to be a doctor or a nurse, first you need to pass a test. But before you pass the test, you have to apply for the test, and before you can apply for the test, you have to have a certain amount of education and a certain amount of hours as an intern to be able to even apply for the test. Aren't you glad to have to take a test? Anybody glad? But you know what they do when other people are going to sit down and watch TV or hey, let's go out and have some fun. What do they do? They go study. Why? Because they're going to keep their eye on the prize. They're thinking, if I just make it through this short uh, little uh, tough time, pretty soon I'm going to have that other salary, a better salary. And then I might even reach that next goal I have in my own home. So they're able to keep their eye on the prize. You know, you need to start with the end in mind. Just think about that. I mean, what do you want on your tombstone? Pepperoni? I'm talking about the tombstone granite one. You know, that big... Stone one, where it says maybe 1954 and this one-inch dash, and then the ending date, that one-inch dash represents your life. It's all boiled down, and that's about what 80 years is. It's about like that in the span of eternity, like one grain on the sand of all the beaches. But what do you want want them to say at your funeral? You know, that's what you got to think about, you know, when I say, you know, keep the end in mind. You know, do you want to hear, oh, he had a lot of stuff, or do you want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant? There's a point I want to make. You know, we all have a goal or a destination in view, and we get started in that direction. Sometimes we get sidetracked. Sometimes it, the road just gets too tough, and we decide to take this shortcut, and we find out that didn't work so good. It was too difficult. You know, in Hebrews eleven twenty four, 24, it was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. You know the best thing about sin? It's the first day sin always takes you farther than you think it's going to take you. It'll cost you more than you think it cost you. And it'll take you to a place you never thought it'd take you. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking ahead to his great reward. You know, we have a great reward following God. I mean, not just the heaven, but even right now. I'm seeing reward after reward. First of all, the only way you'll find peace is if you have the Prince of Peace in your life. You can try all those other things. It's not going to fill any kind of a void at all. You know, if there's a pilot that's flying a passenger jet to New York and it gets a little rough, there's some turbulence, some bad weather, he's going to adjust his attitude. He's going to adjust his altitude. He's going to go up above those clouds. But he can have that thought, you know what, I think I'm just going to fly to Miami and land. The weather's great. I don't have any worries. But you know what? He's paid to take people to New York. That's part of his job description. Our job description is we are just pilgrims passing through this earth. Don't get too attached to it because there's something greater ahead. But he makes his destination. He stays the course and makes it. You know, don't let the things of this world get you off course from the main course. I don't know about you. When it comes to food, I like the main course. I don't want to get sidetracked with all these little side dishes and salads and things. Matter of fact, Thanksgiving, how many of you just skip breakfast so you can eat a lot of the main course? Now, to me, the main course is the meat, the potatoes, the dessert. You know, that's all main stuff to me. Amen? you've got to stay the course. Remember, heaven's our destination. We don't want to get off course. We don't want to get sidetracked by the pleasures of sin or the pleasures of this world. And the last scripture I want to read is Psalm 119. Should we read all 176 verses or just a few of them? You probably could read them all. We'll read a few of them. This is how the Message Bible just kind of comes alive and really it kind of takes this whole message and just has it in these few verses. You're blessed when you stay on course, walking steadily on the road revealed by God. You're blessed when you follow His directions, doing your best to find Him. That's right. You don't go off on your own. You walk straight along the road He has set. You, God, prescribe the right way to live. Now you expect us to live it. Oh, that my steps might be steady, keeping to the course you set. Then I'd never have any regrets. Say no regrets. I'll never have any regrets in comparing my life with your counsel. I thank you for speaking straight from my heart. your heart. I learned the pattern of your righteous ways. I'm going to do what you tell me to do. Don't ever walk off and leave me. How can a young person live a clean life by carefully reading the map of your word? I'm single-minded in pursuit of you. Don't let me miss the road signs you posted. I banked your promises in the vault of my heart so I won't send myself bankrupt. I'm telling you, no matter how empty your spiritual tank is today, there's oil here to fill your tank, to keep you going. If you're in some situation, a little discouraged, wondering how you're going to make it through, I'm telling you, you need to come down, let somebody agree with you, and let that faith arise, and let that just oil of His presence come and fill you up. And then you'll be able to say like the Apostle Paul. He said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. Let's go ahead and come up, and uh, I want you to ask a few questions as we close today. First of all, are you empty? In any area, God will fill you. The other thing is, if you haven't really experienced His love and His joy, man, come up and just first think about emptying yourself out. You don't want to add a bunch of fresh stuff to the old bathwater. Pull that plug. How do you do that? It's by humbling yourself. That's what coming to the altar does. It humbles yourself. That humbling is part of an emptying out. And maybe some of you need to really repent that means, see, there was a time in my life where I just kind of added God to my life. Where He was my spare tire. He really wasn't in the driver's seat. He was just kind of in the trunk like a spare tire. I call when I get in trouble. You know, but then I really had to repent. Because here, true repentance, true godly sorrow has the fruit of a changed life. See, worldly sorrow just makes a bunch of excuses. You're just sorry you get caught. But I'm telling you, God's here to really change some lives today. God's here to really fill you up. Amen. Right when they start playing, we're going to stand our feet. I'm going to have an altar team come up here. They're going to pray for you. And whatever you need, sick in your body, whatever it is, you come and let them agree with you. But if you're not sure where you'd spend eternity, if you're not 100% sure, 100% sure, if you died, you'd go to heaven. I want you to meet me over at that cross. By meet me at that cross, you're saying, hey, I need to ask Jesus in my life. I need to make Him Lord. I mean, I need to stop trusting in myself and stop trusting in God. Is there anybody else out there that needs that? You need to ask Christ into your life? I'm telling you, when we stand, you come over to that cross, and I'll pray with you over there. Amen. The rest of us, let's go ahead and worship, and I'll dismiss you in a minute. But altar team, come on up. Everybody stand to your feet. And let's just ask God to fill you wherever you're at. But some of you need to come to the altar right now
1: think you're like, oh, but I heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night. Oh, you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone. It's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am, you're perfect, you are perfect.
0: Continue to worship a little bit and minister around the altar if you just want to stay and get filled up a little bit. Otherwise, you go back to the Connect Cafe and just have some fellowship with people, have some donuts, some fruit. But remember, invite people, invite people these next coming weeks. Amen. God bless you.